Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship team. Great job today, all day long in worship. So, hey, would you take your Bibles, turn to Luke 17. I'm starting a new series this morning on, called Thankful. That's all it's called. And we're going to look at giving a heartfelt thanks over the next few weeks. And so, today I want to preach on this subject, Thank Who, out of Luke chapter 17. Because here, here's what we know. Preacher, why whole sermon series on Thanksgiving? Because gratitude and Thanksgiving do not come natural to us as human beings. It just doesn't. It may come more natural to some than it does others, but none of us are really born with that trait in it. Margaret Vassar, in her book, The Gift of Thanks, cited research done with kids, and here's what they found out, that kids aren't naturally thankful. So when they had not been trained or prompted with kids, 27% of kids would say hi. So walk in a room, about a quarter of the kids, no training, no prompting, would say hi. Well, the same research said about 25% would say goodbye. No training, no prompting. So you're not bad, about a quarter trained. But when it comes to thankfulness, when given something, only 7% would naturally say thank you. Like we're, It's natural to say hi, it's natural to say bye, thank you, not so much. And so when they continued researching it, kids had to be prompted 28% of the time to say hi, prompted 33% of the time to say goodbye, but 51% of the time they had to be prompted to say thank you. What does that tell us? That inherently we are not good at gratitude. It is a learned, cultivated discipline and trait that we have to have in our lives and uh, it confirms what we know and it seems that we feel it seldom and we express it less than that we feel it seldom we express it like less than that and our current context and culture has us being grateful and thankful even less than normal and we're surrounded by 2020 as a matter of fact I would argue this we're not surrounded by 2020 2020 has us by the throat right like a wild animal we're pinned down on the ground and 2020 will not let us go I'm tired of it it's politics pandemic and pandemonium every time you turn on the news right politics pandemic and pandemonium every single time you turn on the news I have this Saturday morning ritual I've done it for I don't know how long, years and years and years. If nothing's going on Saturdays, I love to get up early on Saturday morning, six o'clock or so, get a cup of coffee, take my iPad, go somewhere and, and just read the news and catch up on the week's news. Well, that's been the most discouraging thing in the last few weeks I've ever done in my life. And so it's just not as fun. Why? Because it's 2020. And if you aren't careful in the midst of all of that, you lose your gratitude and you wind up doing the things that actually prohibit you being a thankful or a person filled with gratitude. Here's what's happened to us in 2020. We are being programmed to be ungrateful. We're being programmed to be unthankful. Now, let me prove it to you. Let me give you five characteristics of people who are not thankful. And watch how this is unfolding in our lives in 2020. Here they are. Number one is this. Uh, people who are unthankful complain and listen to complainers. Uh, did you know that research shows us that exposed to 30 minutes of complaining that a person makes poor decisions. After being exposed to only 30 minutes of complaining, 
A person will make poor decisions. Well, we live in 2020 where we're uh, an unthankful people complain. As a matter of fact, the opposite of Thanksgiving is complaining. Hear that? The opposite of Thanksgiving is complaining. And the Bible is very plain. In case you came today and you don't know this, you're watching online, you don't know this, God does not like complainers. He says that in the, Old, in the New Testament. He then tells the story about people in the Old Testament. And pretty much, here's the story in the Old Testament. You know what the story is in the Old Testament? People complaining to God, God opens up the earth, swallows them whole, closes it back, and said, now does anybody else have anything to say? He's not real happy about complaining. And so 2020 has programmed us to complain. We complain about everything. We complain about pandemic, politics, pandemonium. I get it. I'm with you. But it's, it's programming, complaining into us and gratefulness out. Second thing we know uh, unthankful people do is they take the little things for granted. Well, that's the culture we live in today at all. We, we want big things, big things all the time, but we take the little things for granted. Very thankful people notice the little blessings that are in their lives. Third thing we know, that unthankful people expect a perfect life. Boy, has this came to a halt in 2020, right? Like, like you become ungrateful when you expect every day of your life to be perfect. And I'm going to tell you that is an unrealistic expectation for a world that's fallen by sin. Like more than likely every day of your life, you're going to wake up with trouble in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible is pretty plain that says in this life, you are going to have trouble. And you know what we call a day filled with trouble, don't you? Monday, Tuesday. I mean, that's just life. If you expect a perfect life and you don't get it because you're never going to get perfection, what happens is you become ungrateful and you might fall back into complaining. Number four, unthankful people overreact to the little things in life, right? So that person who's expecting a perfect life and they don't get it, something uh, small goes sideways, they fall apart and start blaming and crying out to God and complain and, and, that's and we're programming that into us. Number five, unthankful people neglect the people around them that matter the most, right? We're seeing that even today with COVID. So COVID is making all of this stuff, programming unthankfulness and ungratefulness into us. And I want to tell you, that's not going to work for the child of God. Like You have got to be better than that. We have to be better than that. The lost world who is watching our Christianity needs us to be better than that. More than that, Jesus expects us to be better than that. And there's a story in the Bible that tells us what Jesus expects, and how we can get there. So if you're in a room, Rossville or Rock Spring, would you stand with me as we honor God's word and read it together? It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met Jesus. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Thank you. You may be seated. 
So this story in the gospel that we just read, the story of the 10 lepers, is often used in Sunday school as an example for children, right, about being thankful. But it has more powerful implications to that because here's the, here's the story in a nutshell. Jesus meets 10 lepers on a journey, and he heals all 10 of them and tells them to go show themselves to the priest, which was a ritualistic thing they had to do. And on the way there, only one had the foresight or insight or integrity to turn around and give thanks to Jesus. So how do we become that one person of thankfulness? How do we become that one person of gratitude? I want to tell you this this morning. It starts with what you remember. And I want to give you today four things that you need to remember in order to be thankful. Number one is this. Number one, you need to remember where you were. Now, you probably don't understand leprosy uh, like it was in the day. Leprosy was bad news. People with leprosy, leprosy had to separate themselves from all that was in their family, all that was in their community. They had to live outside the camp or outside the city, and they had to continually warn others about their presence. So when you had leprosy, it wasn't like you could slink off into the corner and hide. When anybody got close to you, because it was such a contagious disease, when anyone got close to you, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So you spent your whole life yelling out, unclean, unclean, so people could get away from you if they were walking close to you, like the homeless people Today, that meant that you could only live with other lepers or live with other people. So like the homeless today, they would congregate together people in similar, similar conditions. Now, there, there was a law that allowed a wife to live with a leper, but she had to ostracize herself, and that, that rarely happened. And so the major problem of lepers was the social ostr uh, uh, ostracism that occurred because of their leprosy. They were totally ostracized, banished from city and society, and the law said this, that a leper in no way differed from a corpse. Like when you look in the law, in the Bible, if you had leprosy or if you were a corpse, you were treated the same way. So that if you were healed from leprosy, it was akin to having raised the dead. So the, the, the way you were treated was you were treated as if you were already dead. You were cut off from your family, your friends, your job, your church. You were in constant physical pain. You were emotionally devastated. You were socially bankrupt. You were financially a pauper. And here's the statement. If you had leprosy, you were as bad off as you could be and still be alive. You were bad off as you could be. People wanted nothing to do with you at all. It's kind of like if you cough in Publix right now, how people scatter. People scatter. And all of a sudden, 10 men with leprosy asked Jesus to heal them, and all 10 men were healed. To describe that miracle is impossible to describe in the two or three verses in which it's talked about right there but total social banishment physical I mean, mo I mean these men were an absolute as disastrous what you could be and with one spoken word from Jesus immediately all of the bad has been done away with all of the good had been brought back they and they immediately were made whole and out of all of that that happened out of 10 men that had that incredible miracle happen in their lives out of those 10 men one 
One, return to be thankful. The rest immediately forgot where they had been. And can I tell you that's the way we are sometimes as Christians? Sometimes the way we are as people. One reason we aren't thankful is we don't remember where we came from or where we could be today. I mean, think for a minute, just remember where you came from before Jesus and more importantly, remember where you could be. Remember the trajectory you were headed on before you met Jesus. I'm afraid what we do too many times is that we, we bask in the blessing of today and we lose sight of what our, lives, what our life was like or what our lives could be like because all we have done is either live in the blessing of the moment or complain about the lack of blessing of the moment and we forget about the misery of the past. And when you forget about the misery of the past, you tend to be less I couldn't think of a good way to illustrate it other, other than this. You, you've ever been, um, you know, in a, in a storm in the middle of July and your electricity go off in the middle of the night. Like, you know, that happens 100 degrees outside and all of a sudden in the middle of the night your electricity goes off. Now, now for me, I'm, I'm kind of a finicky sleeper at night. Uh, I don't, I've never been a really good sleeper and, and so I've never really uh, done well. But I've always slept since, I mean, I can't remember not sleeping even from the time I was a little boy with a box fan in my bedroom blowing directly on my face. Anybody else sleep with a fan blowing on you at night? Like you have to have it, right? Like, so like, I know when the electricity goes off at night. I don't care if it goes off during the day. I know when it goes off at night. The minute my fan stops blowing, I sit up in bed like I've been shot out of a cannon at a circus. Like something's wrong, baby, something's wrong. Like you can break into my house, I'll never know it. Something else happened, I'll never know it. Fan goes off and I'm dialing 911 immediately. I can't live without it. Matter of fact, we got married, moved into our house. We were just babies when we got married. And we moved into our house. I brought a suitcase and a box fan. That's what I moved in with, suitcase and box fan. And my wife will tell you, she'll be like, she's like sleeping, you know, in the bed with Joel and I. I got a ceiling fan going as fast as it'll go. I got a box fan blowing. She says, like riding in a convertible in the bed. The hair's blowing back. But I, I can't sleep any other way. And so, and so uh, I'm just programmed that way. But, man, the electricity go off. And I like, you, you've been there, right? 100 degrees. It's 100 degrees in the house in about 0.3 seconds. I mean, it's hot. You're, you're pacing the floor, dialing 911, calling the electric company, opening the windows, doing all that. And I mean, you're in total misery. You remember all that? And the minute, the second, electricity comes back on. You know what you do? Turn the fan back on, make sure the air's turned down, you get right back in bed. You don't thank the let you don't pick up the phone and say, Hey, you guys at Georgia Power, I just want to tell you. You don't get out a note and say, Honey, now before we go to bed, I, I want to write a thank you note to Georgia Power and just tell them how what a blessing they are in my life. You know what? No, as soon as you, as soon as you're out of the misery, you forget all about it and move on. And I'm afraid that's what happens too many times in our life and why we're not thankful people. Like we forget how blessed we are right now. We forget what our life used to be like. We forget where our life was headed. We forget all the answered prayers and all the daily blessings. We're living the light of God's blessing today. And we never remember until our circumstances change for the worse. And then when our circumstances change for the worse and God answers that prayer and rescues us, then we go right back and forget 
the misery we used to be in. And we forget to tell the Lord, thank you. And we move on with our lives asking for more blessings. Here's the assignment today. Go home this afternoon and remember where you could be. Hey, you remember that bad decision you made a few years ago or that mistake you made or that misery you were in? Imagine if God had not have rescued you from that. Look back at the trajectory of your life 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Where would your faith be? Where would your finances be? Where would your family be before God intervened in your life? Now listen, sometimes it's a person that God sends our way that intervenes. Sometimes it's God who directly intervenes. But we, we become ungrateful when we forget where we were and where we could be. And we're looking at nine, nine men with leprosy who immediately forgot where they were or what the rest of their life was going to be like. You won't become a person of thanksgiving until you learn to remember where you were. Second thing I want you to know is this. You've got to remember who the difference maker was and is. And I'm just going to say this and move on. Look what they said in verse 13. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. These lepers were under no illusion. Their healing was only coming from one place, and it was going to come from Jesus. Now, look, there's, without a doubt, they had tried every doctor they could try, every remedy, every homemade cure that could, be, uh, that could be come up with. None of them ever worked. Every leper tried it, but none of them ever worked. And they knew that when they got to verse 13, that Jesus passing through was going to be their only hope. That's worth mentioning for us today, just so we remember, that you know where every blessing in your life comes from, don't you? Comes from the Lord. James even tells us that in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from, say it with me, above. Say it with me again. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Above. See, we have to remember this because if we don't, we start thinking that we did it ourselves. We start thinking that we've earned the blessing. We start thinking that we deserve the blessing. And all of that leads to ungratefulness. When you think you deserve it, when you think you've earned it, when you think that you're owed it. Now, if you want to be a thankful person, know where your blessings come from because every good gift comes from above. It's all from the Lord, and all you have to do is trace every blessing back to his origin, and it starts with the Lord. Every good gift in your life, and your health, and your daily provision, and your home, and your job, and your church, and your country, and your freedom, it all comes from the Lord. Whatever it is, you want to be a thankful person, you've got to remember that every good gift comes from the Lord. And I've always done it in my prayer time. I have my prayer list on my iPad and when I do my prayer time in in the mornings I always end with thanksgiving and I've always had a list of things I'm thankful for and here lately God long before this sermon series it's been over a year ago God's been convicting me that that I I don't even sometimes I don't even say thank you for the for the little like the little things in life like I'm trying to go back and be I take if you're not careful you take so much for granted right like list small things that if they were taken away I wouldn't even want you to hear what I'm thankful for but if if you the small yeah the big things I, I've got that I'm, I thank the Lord daily for those but there are times that I mean when's the last time you thank the Lord for gas in your car 
we, we take that for granted here, but if you've been to a foreign country, <laughs> I've been to a foreign country and watch a taxi driver stop and pump 40 cents at a time. And I'm like, dude, is that enough to get us somewhere? Because I, I don't think that's about four drops in America, and I don't know what it is here. I've literally been to a foreign country and given a guy like, let me give you a couple dollars. Like, just go ahead and put two dollars in just for my sake. Because we're going over that mountain, and I don't know what's on that. Just let's put some gas in. Was, the other day, I was thanking the Lord. Thank, thank you that I can fill up my car with gas. I mean, just all those blessings come from the Lord. Third thing you have to remember is this. You have to remember ungratefulness is not unnoticed. When you talk about a heart-wrenching verse in the Bible, Jesus said this in verse 17, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine now that doesn't mean jesus wasn't thankful for the one we're going to talk about him as i close out the sermon but it does mean that jesus noticed that the nine were nowhere to be found that ungratefulness is not unnoticed that is true of the lord and can i say this that is true of the people around you when we are ungrateful here's what happens follow me this is ungratefulness i'll give you a good definition of it ungratefulness is when we let others make investments in our lives without stopping to acknowledge and appreciate what they've done for us. That's ungratefulness. We're letting other people make investments in our lives, and that could be God or others. We're letting others make investments into our lives without stopping to acknowledge and appreciate their investment in our lives. Follow me. Others are making investments in our lives without us stopping to acknowledge and appreciate it. You say, well, is that a big deal? Well, a couple things about that. I'll give you some Bible. When an investment is made, your affection follows the investment. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So wherever you make an investment, your affection follows your investment. When somebody invests in your life, here's what that means. Their heart follows your investment. That could be your spouse. That could be your parents. That could be uh, uh, your friends. That could be whomever, God, whoever. When they invest in you, it means they love you and, and they love you and their affection follows that investment. Number two, it means their attention follows their investment. When you invest in something, you pay attention to it, right? If you don't have any money in the stock market, you probably could care less. You know how to care about the stock market is not try to care real hard about the stock market. Put $1,000 in it tomorrow. And you'll stare that thing down all day long. Because your attention follows your investment. Your affection follows your investment. So get this. When someone invests in us, whether it be God or others, they're sensitive to your reaction to that investment. Nothing hurts worse than indifference to their investment. Their investment is into your life, their affection follows, their attention follows, and there's no greater insult to be indifferent to that investment. Ungratefulness does not go unnoticed. And often you feel the gratitude without expressing the gratitude, but the giver doesn't know the gratitude unless you express it. When someone makes an investment in us, our reaction to that investment makes all the difference in the world. I'll talk to the men. Men, you, you probably, probably some of you women, but mostly men. Men, we had to learn this when we got married, right? Like women are really good gift receivers is your wife a good my wife is the best gift receiver I could wrap her up a rock and give it to her at Christmas and she would cry and laugh and hug and celebrate a rock I mean I can give she just knows how to receive a gift and so the first time I gave her a gift or whatever I saw that reaction and I was like I gotta step my game up like I am not good at this I'm not good at it 
But no matter how bad I am, I'm not as bad as my father-in-law is. Now, bless my father-in-law's heart. He's in ICU right now. My wife would covet, and I would covet your prayers for him. Uh, you've been, many of you have been praying for him this past year with cancer, but he's in, I was visiting yesterday in ICU, and we have this famous Christmas story about him that my wife didn't, he's hard to buy for. You know how men are hard to buy for. My father-in-law's hard to buy for. One year, my wife really struggled, and she came up with the perfect gift because he likes to go into cemeteries and do research and all that and all that. And so she bought him a metal detector, like a really, we thought a really nice metal detector. And so she wrapped up, she was so excited, she gave it to him on Christmas morning. And I'll be honest, he was kind of indifferent to it, but that's normal, right? A lot of guys, we struggle with that, right? So he's kind of, he kind of looked at it for a minute and not as excited as we thought he'd be, but it's fine. Until you fast forward to the next year and she's asking him, well, dad, what do you want for Christmas? He said, here's what, and he's forgotten last Christmas. He's, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Because we're just going to ask him now. Let's not try to surprise him. Let's just ask him, what do you want for Christmas? He said, i tell you what I'd really like to have. He said, I'd like to really have, I'd like to have a really nice metal detector. He said, because somebody gave me one, but it's a piece of junk. <laughs> and my wife said, uh, that someone was me that gave you the piece of junk? He said, well, I mean, I don't mean it's a piece of junk. I just mean it's just a piece of junk. I don't know. He didn't have anything to say. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like he forgot now because he's just not really good at receiving gifts. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes it's worse. And that has become the running joke in our family, the piece of junk Christmas. But, but it was because it was, it was we're just not good. As Christians, we have to learn because we're a little bit like that. We're like, God, I know you blessed me yesterday, but yesterday's blessing was junk. I need more today. As Christians, we have to learn how to express our gratitude properly to God and to others. Let me, let me give you three ways to express gratitude. I'd write these down. Number one, there has to be an outward recognition of the investment in your life. I go home today and write down who has invested in your life? Write down what God has invested in your life because your list is going to get long and long and long. You might think you're a self-made man or a self-made woman, but you would not be where you were without the hand of God and others investing in your life. You've got to recognize the investment that has been made. Number two, there's got to be an inward appreciation sincerely from the heart gratitude understanding we don't deserve any blessing we don't earn any blessing thank you and then number three there has to be a verbal expression you have to express gratitude see and i bet you the nine lepers were right here at one and two outward and inward like i bet no doubt they recognized Jesus, and he was the one that gave them the blessings. They, they were so appreciative of it. But in their excitement of it, they forgot to do this. How do you keep yourself from being one of the nine? You, you, you have to recognize it and appreciate it, but you have to express it as well. Because remember, ungratefulness is not unnoticed. Number four, and I'm done. Remember that celebration follows appreciation. I love this about this verse that the one got much more than he bargained for. He turned around to offer his heartfelt gratitude to God for the physical healing. And he got spiritual healing as well. Here's what Jesus said. Your faith has saved you. Now notice this. This, this promise did not apply to all ten 
lepers, former lepers. It applied to one. Your faith has saved you. Now, there's a little debate on exactly what Jesus meant, but I can tell you this theologically. It doesn't mean anything bad, and it means something really, really good. So here's the lesson I want you to learn. Gratitude always opens the doors, the door for more blessings in your life. This leper learned this secret that you don't get more until you're thankful for what you already got. The backside of gratitude is blessing. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. Matter of fact, close your Bibles and stand up with me. I want to stand up together. If you're watching online, hang with me. I'm going to preach for another moment. I just want everybody in the room, Rossville, stretched out a minute. All right? Hang with me. Remember this, celebration follows appreciation. Here's what I mean by that. A greater blessing follows after thankfulness. The one leper got something the other nine lepers didn't get. And that is a general biblical principle that you don't get more until you're thankful for what you already have received. And there's stories I could tell you, personal anecdotes But the greatest story to illustrate this to me is in the Bible. And I don't normally end with reading some more Bible, but let me read some Bible to you today. Matthew 15, 32 says this. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days, have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them, seven. They said, and a few small fish. And after commanding the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were 4,000 men who had eaten besides women and children. Now follow me. 4,000 men. Uh, they estimate the total crowd would have been somewhere between fifteen to 25,000 people. Let's just go with 20,000 people. Fifteen to 25,000 people. Now, there were... There were seven loaves of bread, which would basically, like, we call it a biscuit or a roll, right? It wasn't a loaf of bread. It's a biscuit or a roll and a few fish. So basically, Jesus had seven fish stick sandwiches that he had to feed 20,000 people with. Seven sandwiches. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up, I learned to preach in children's church. I used to do children's church back long, many years ago. And I would, have, I would have preached this back then. I'd have said, and Jesus took that bread and those fish. And Jesus bowed his head and he said, Father, uh, Lord, we've got 20,000 people to feed and I've got seven fish stick sandwiches. And Lord, we need a miracle today. God, we need you to multiply the fish. We need you to multiply the bread. We need you something amazing so that everybody knows that you're God. And I'd have went on and on and on in children's church. I would have been wrong. Can I show you the prayer that Jesus prayed? Show you the prayer Jesus prayed. And gave thanks. Jesus was looking at 20,000 people to feed. And he bowed his head and he said, Father, you've graciously provided. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful for the seven fish stick sandwiches that are in our midst. And I can see, like, Peter back here. Jesus, not enough. Not enough, Jesus. We need more than seven. Means asking for a big miracle, Jesus. Lord, these fish, fresh caught today, 
Lord, they're going to they're gonna taste so good. And this bread, some little little lady made these for us. And Lord, she gave her her time. Thank you so much for what you've given us. You, you know Peter's back here. Boys, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. This is not going to be enough. We're in trouble. The Bible says he gave thanks. I don't know how the miracle happened. I think Jesus took and put a fish stick sandwich in every, all seven baskets, right? And he said, boys, go feed, go feed the 20,000 people. And seven apostles took a basket and they reached in and grabbed the one sandwich and said, you get one. And they just kept pulling fish stick sandwiches out of the basket. Jesus didn't ask for a miracle. He didn't ask for 20,000 to-go orders. He did one thing. He thanked God for what he'd already given them. I'm afraid we, we might need a little bit of that in our own lives. You know, you say, well, preacher, my need is great. My, my need is so big. I know, I know. But when's the last time you thanked him for the last need he met? What I, I know, when's the last time you thanked him for the last blessing you had? Celebration follows appreciation. Blessings follow thankfulness. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Hey, if you're watching online, hang with me. Hang with me. I'm going to ask you as Christians, would you, would you take a moment and just do what I hope you've been doing in your mind all along? Would you, would you start categorizing the people that have invested in your life that are owed a thanks? Would you start cataloging the blessings God has given you in your life that you ought to be thankful for? Start as small as you possibly can. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But look, if you're watching online or in the room at Rossville, if you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, what you have to be thankful for is Jesus and the gospel. He's given you a gift, and all you have to do is accept it. So if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, would you look right this way? Because you can know Jesus as your Savior today. All heads are bowed, just yours if you don't know Jesus. Look, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. You can't earn your way to heaven. B, you've got to believe the gospel. That is, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here and you don't know Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home, you can know that today. I'll lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer you say. Prayer, the prayer won't save you. But the intent of your heart is to give your heart and life to Jesus. That saves you. If you're, maybe you know how to pray. You just want to pray now. God's been working on your heart. But if you need help praying, because I know I did when I trusted Christ, pray something like this. Bow your heads and pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I can't earn my way to heaven. But I believe that Jesus already paid the, call, the cost on the cross and when he rose again. And so just now I invite Christ into my life to save me to give me a home in heaven, I give my life to you, Jesus. Look this way if you're, if you just prayed that prayer, every, every other head bowed, but if you just prayed that prayer, would you look this way? 
if you prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus, you are born again. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Would you take your phone right now and text I did to the number 97,000? Here's why. We want to celebrate with you, but more than that, we want to send you a booklet in the mail that's going to tell you the next steps to take in the Christian life. You're going to get confused. And so whether you're online at Rossville here, Rock Spring, just text I did to 97,000. If you're watching this sermon weeks or months or days from now, you do the same thing. I did to 97,000 and we'll get you that booklet out and we'll celebrate your decision today. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Our staff's going to be up here at the front after the sermon is over. And if you want to join our church, be baptized, or you need more questions about being a Christian, or if you just need somebody to pray with you, would you come and talk to them afterwards? And uh, we'll, uh, we'll pray with you this morning, spend as much time as what we need. Father, my prayer today is that you would help us be people who are thankful. People filled with gratitude, not just for what God has done in our lives, but for what others do in our lives. Just let us be known as people that don't let those investments happen in our lives that we aren't expressing our appreciation for that. Lord, Lord, work in our hearts today, work in our lives all day, all this month. Help us to realize how important gratitude is in our daily lives. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>